Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. And today I'm so excited to bring on to our show the president of the National Association of Clinical Nurse Specialists. I have Dr. Mitzi Saunders. She's been a nurse for 34 years and a CNS for 28 of those years. She's also a former med surge CNS at a level one trauma center in Detroit, Michigan. And she's also a professor and graduate nursing coordinator at the University of Detroit Mercy. Please welcome Mitzi Saunders. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Alice. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Always a pleasure. And so I'm I'm actually very delighted to have you on the show because obviously I'm a clinical nurse specialist, you are as well. But I don't think many people know about the CNS role. I kind of feel like it's getting forgotten as we go on. And we got to change that because it's a very important APR in role. So um, if you wouldn't mind for our listeners, could you please explain to us what is a clinical nurse specialist? Yes, it's a very good question. Um, so a clinical nurse specialist has advanced education beyond the level of an RN. So typically that is a master's degree in nursing with a focus concentration as a clinical nurse specialist. There are doctorate of nursing practice programs out there that are also have a concentration with the clinical nurse specialist. And then there are postgraduate certificate programs. And those are for nurses who already have a master's degree in another area or even a doctorate of nursing practice that's non-clinical who can come back and get a degree as a clinical nurse specialist. So a clinical nurse specialist education, because we are an advanced practice registered nurse, which means we're one of the four APRN groups, and that is nurse anesthesiologist, nurse practitioner, nurse midwife, and clinical nurse specialist. So it's important to know that an education to be a clinical nurse specialist mirrors the other APRN education. So we also learn how to diagnose and prescribe, which is common in the other APRN roles. But additionally, a clinical nurse specialist is a change agent. So the other piece that a clinical nurse specialist gets in their education is really how to make change happen, how to work with the nurses, how to change behaviors of the nurses, how to work with the C-suite, you know, the, the chief nurse officer, the chief financial officer, chief operating officer, know what they need done so that we can bring those needs to the front lines of care. Because at the end of the day, it's all about keeping the lights on in the hospital. So we need great outcomes for our patients that are quality and fiscal related. And that's really what the CNS brings to the table. 
I like that you described it that way because I remember as an RN working in ICU, um, I wasn't quite sure who this individual was. I just knew they were responsible for my onboarding orientation. Her name is Patty Graham. She's done. She's done so much in in the CNS world, and I just was, I saw her clinically so astute. She command the room of all of the physicians and the surgeons, and she was just so on top of it. She was able to go, like you said, to the C-suite, to the leadership, to the nurses, and was just had an influence at every single level. And because also very clinically astute, I was like, I want to do that. I don't know what that is, but I want to do that. And I discovered uh, she was a clinical nurse specialist, and she actually mentored me for a while. And to your point of a change agent, being able to really know your stakeholders, who you're working with and being able to influence and persuade and to get buy-in, I think is a real important role of a CNS. And I actually attribute it to a lot of my success in leadership. And my girlfriends who are CNSs, and we always say, oh, you know what? She thinks like a CNS. She thinks like a C- <laughs> he or she thinks like a CNS because it's it's like a, a thought process. As the structure process outcome is always going through my head about how to change things in the hospital. Exactly. Yes. And I was going to say, it's like with every patient you see, right, as a CNS, and we're typically seeing the most complex patients, right, because we're mostly in acute care. So so we're a little less well known because we're not out in the community as much as CNSs. But think about every patient we see. What does the nurse need? How do I need to help the nurse to carry out the plan of care? And then are there any system issues that I'm picking up off this patient that we need to change the system to make it more efficient? So you nailed it. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so um, I've also had a lot of nurses ask me, you know, they understand that there are four APR roles, but what really are is like the key, key difference between a CNS and a nurse practitioner, because people will ask me, should I go to school to become a CNS or a nurse practitioner? And I always have to step back and say, well, what is it that you really want to do? And now that I've also added nurse practitioner to my belt, I completely see the difference in the two roles. Not that one is better than the other, guys, I'm not saying that, but they're just very different. So Mitzi, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so there's a couple ways to go with that. One is the fact that we don't do just direct care. There is definitely an indirect care component because as you know, as you're influencing key stakeholders, you're not necessarily at the bed doing HMPs, right? So you're not always doing that direct care role. And when we think of a nurse practitioner on average seeing three patients an hour, right? The CNS only sees the patients that are of high need, very complex, the ones that will have poor outcomes if they don't have that extra touch that the CNS brings to that level of care. So I would tell nurses interested in the CNS role, if you're highly focused on on patient, seeing patient after patient after patient and doing the very much diagnosing and prescribing care, and really in those roles, you are acting and replacing physicians, right, with the physician shortage. But the CNS is there more to complement the care of the other providers. So when the physician, when the nurse practitioner, PA, or whoever moves on to the next patient because they have a caseload, the CNS is there to work with the nurses and make sure the plan of care unfolds the way it's supposed to be. Nurses go into the CNS role, I would say, primarily because 
They don't like the status quo of what they're seeing happening in the system. They want to change it and they want to support nurses. And boy, do our nurses need support at this time. Right. So I think it's 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 that hands on direct care, but also that indirect component. Right. Of of changing a nurse. And we know if we change a nurse's behavior, they are going to impact hundreds of patients beyond that one patient. It's patient, nurse, and the system. So we're thinking in those three spheres, right? And that's unique to the CNS role that we think in threes. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my, into my segue into my next question or comment rather. But um, working as a CNS, I love that, you know, I, I literally have three spheres of influence. The patient, the population, which as I, as a cardiovascular CNS, you know, I think I had heart failure patients. So not just heart failure patients on my heart failure unit, but those that trickled were, you know, ICU, tele, med surge, and those into our outpatient areas, and even partnering with community partners like American Heart Association and working with them. So it was really an entire population. So, and I loved it because it, no two days were the same. It seemed like something, there was, uh, there was a lot of autonomy in the role. It allows you to lose your creativity, your ideas, your vision to really say, hey, based on my clinical expertise, Based on the evidence, I benchmark practice. What are the standards saying? And hey, what's my budget, by the way? But what can I do to impact this group of people? So I love that. And then with our nurses, oh my gosh, you hit it the nail on the head. Our nurses need so much support and they love it. They love the clinical support at the bedside because what are they going to do? Page the doctor and hey, you know, the patient is just circling down the tubes here. I mean, you could call an RRT, but you, if you, your unit has a CNS or a CNS handy, you know, hey, call us over. We will, it'll be a whole teachable moment. We're teaching everyone. We're the nurses, the patients, the family as what's going on. We're not waiting to the last minute. And I would say that that was probably one of my most satisfying times as a CNS, watching the light bulbs go on, because where do you get that type of learning? And so you can't necessarily get it out of a book. Cause I mean, well, you could, you could get the words off of the page, but to see it in action, to get that real time, just in time training is fabulous. And then that latter part of the organization, not just your hospital, but also Joint Commission, the State Department of Health, CDC. And I think the CNS role is one that truly allows a nurse, an APRN to step into their leadership role because you have so many balls you're juggling, Mitzi. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, um, some will say the versatility of the role is, is a great thing, that you have an opportunity to dabble in so many different areas, although it confuses people then when the CNS is, is stretched too thin, right, and trying to do all these roles, that, that the confusion comes in about, okay, who is the CNS, right? Because, oh, the CNS is a nurse educator. Oh, the CNS is this, you know. So you so it can be a little bit confusing as to exactly what the CNS is actually doing. So, so we have to stay focused at the front lines of care. We have to stay in that APRN level role, which means CNSs need to be credentialed and privileged. And we know that about a quarter of our CNSs are getting those credentials and privilege, which for your audience means credentialed, right? Having 
a national certification behind your name, licensed as a CNS and an APRN. In 41 states now, CNSs have prescriptive privileges or prescriptive authority, and they are actually privileged to use that, right? So their their scope of practice has been modernized, and if they're practicing to the full extent, when an order needs to happen, a nurse should not have to go chase down a physician or chase down another provider when the CNS is present, right? So the CNS can make care far more efficient if they're right there to handle an order, see a patient that's crashing, get the orders going, right? Not waiting around. So it's just real important that CNS to stay in that APRN level world, stay visible at the bedside and they're credentialed and privileged. And that's something at the national level, that is a primary goal for us is that we continue CNSs on that road to full practice authority, which I know is very important to the other APRN groups as well. Now, Mitzi, what do you say to organizations that have in, I guess, the shortage of CNSs? Because there's there's kind of a shortage of us as well, in a sense, but they've replaced the role with nurse educator, or they use those terms interchangeably as if they are completely equivalent. And then I've also seen where the CNL role, I believe, sometimes is confusing to people, which, by the way, guys, the clinical nurse leadership role is not an APRN role. It's an important role, but it's not an APRN role. And I think that's really important for people to understand. But why is there so much confusion? I know there's the CNS is stretched thin, so we're not always sure. They're doing so many things and different things that we may not, may not be able to really identify what their role by exactly the work that they're doing. But what else? What else is confusing the system? And why have many organizations opted for nurse educators instead of holding out for a CNS? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I can go back in history just a little bit, if you don't mind. If we would have focused more on policy and legislation and really got the CNS title protected a decade or longer ago. So so that's been a problem. So the title alone has been used by those who weren't trained as clinical nurse specialists. So I'll give you an example and, and I think it just builds to the problem you're talking about, the confusion of who the CNS is. So in Michigan, where I'm from, so we were just title protected in 2017, not that long ago. But prior to that, there were so many CNSs out there trained as nurse educators, trained as or just had a, a, a generic master's in nursing, master's in nursing, right? And they were functioning in the title clinical nurse specialist. Now that is not happening anymore, but, but what we're dealing with is kind of the aftermath of, of that in that you had people working as nurse educators titled clinical nurse specialists. And this has really been across the country. So I think as, as long as we continue to push forward that we are APRNs, and we do as kind of what I was saying, you know, we, we act like an APRN. We do what an APRN does. And, you know, we, we function with the C-suite and we improve patient level outcomes, nursing and system level outcomes. Those are things that are not within the competencies of a nurse educator or clinical nurse leader because clinical nurse leader does not have the clinical expertise. Right. So we have to stay within our competencies now. We have to stay there. And so part of what I do, even in my leadership role as president, is just preach that. 
over and over again, this is not the CNS role. If you are doing these things, you're not functioning as an APRN. And just getting us all to think in that way. And then titles matter, right? So the title protection is there, but we're still dealing with a lot of people who don't understand exactly what a CNS does. And and you're right. They think, oh, that person's a nurse educator until their patient crashes And the CNS comes in and the CNS is working with the entire medical team and the physicians are standing there listening to the CNS as the CNS is the glue, right? Pulling it all together and how we're going to get through this. All of a sudden, they're not a nurse educator anymore, right? So so we just have to be really firm with our goals that we have to show the value of a CNS as an APRN continuously. We have to talk about it. We have to walk it everything and keep moving to full practice authority. That's what we have to keep doing. And and it's a challenge. You're right, because the numbers are against us. However, there are some CNS programs bursting at the seams right now with more nurses wanting to become CNSs. And I think the nursing shortage has taught us a lot and and just the disengagement of nurses that we're seeing that we really, really need help in nursing. We need great nursing minds going into CNS roles, right? To support the nurse, mentor the nurse, lead the nurse, elevate nursing. So it's just, I think it's going to, I think we're on a resurgence. We're on our way back. I love hearing that. One of the things I, I'm just going to address an elephant in the room because I found my, found this happening just as much as I'm passionate about the CNS role and advocating for what I do. The nurse educators who were not CNSs, there seemed to be a little bit of a tift, a beef, if you will, I, something that didn't need to be, but it was almost like an us versus them. How do we change that culture with the nurses? Because we got to work together. But as much as we're advocating for our role and what we can do, I think some people maybe, and they mostly nurse educators felt that as if we were better than them, but it's not that I'm, a, I'm better than you. It's just, I have a broader scope. So any suggestions on how to kind of bring that harmony in our in our leadership teams there? Well, you know, I, I honestly, I, that one I hear less. It's more clinical nurse leader, which is another, you know, because you have clinical nurse leader, clinical nurse specialist. I mean, the, t- the names alone are like kind of confusing, you know, when you think about it. So it, I think it's partnerships. I mean, in education, we have got to educate and we have to be, well, the CNS has to be recognized as an APRN. And, and I think it's more on us. It, it really is on us to show our value as an APRN. And it doesn't mean we're better. It just means that we have a different set of competencies that are clinical expertise, And you don't get that in a master's in nursing education. And I know this because my first CNS program that I and the one I run now, we started as a dual nursing education and clinical nurse specialist. So I was very well aware of the competencies that our students would get in the nurse education portion of the program and very well aware of the competencies and the clinical expertise that they would get in the CNS portion of the program. Now, what happened with that program is we had more students then going on to be clinical nurse specialists instead of faculty and nurse educator roles. So we ended up just changing our program into straightforward clinical nurse specialists. And that's that's how we evolved. And we do very well, you know, every year since I've done that. And I've been running that since 2007. So we've had a robust CNS program here in the Detroit area. 
So I, again, it's just educating and, and it's just delineating. These are the competencies for this group. These are the competencies for this group and making sure that both, both scopes of practice are being modernized and everyone is functioning at the full extent of their education. And we need both. We need both, right? We need nurse educators to make sure the CNSs are competent, that, that they have everything they need and those competencies get checked off every year. And then we need CNSs at the bedside in real time, role modeling in front of, uh, in front of nurses and working with nurses clinically, which is not the nurse educator role. Right. Exactly. And speaking of that, I mean, how how do CNSs demonstrate their value in the healthcare system? Um, how do you quantify that? If I'm at the bed as a CNS, if I'm at the bedside with nurses, the evaluation time was a hard time because I didn't always do a great job at quantifying the work that I did. But if you asked anybody on the floor, like, oh my gosh, we love Alice. Alice is here. She did this. But you know, how how can I? It, how can we as CNSs in the leadership world where everything's kind of black and white on paper numbers, right? It's all about the budget. How do we demonstrate our value to healthcare systems? So our number one strategy that, that at, the, at the national level that we want to trickle down is a focus on patient outcomes. The CNS has to constantly demonstrate their role in patient outcomes. Now, how do you do that? How you do that is you identify what is most of most concern to the C-suite. And it was decreasing length of stay when I graduated from my CNS program in 1994. And guess what? It is still decreasing length of stay because patient volumes are at 50%. Patients are staying too long and we're not getting patients in the beds. That does not make the C-suite very happy. So CNSs need to target the key outcomes. So in their specialty population, and there's been some great work out there by CNSs lately. There, a study I read recently of a CNS team that were focused on head and neck surgery patients and the long lengths of stay that were taking place post-tracheostomy or laryngectomy patients. So these CNSs went in, they looked at the data, they followed these patients from admission to discharge and saw where are the inefficiencies and how do we need to change care. That's what CNSs do. And they ended up um, learning some procedures, learning how to downsize trachs, decannulate patients. They even learned how to put a different fa- a plate on the, on the neck to decrease the pressure injuries that were happening. And their savings were about 2.2 million with statistically significant findings. So we need groups of CNSs doing that everywhere. And there are CNSs doing that. So it's just really, as you say, you're doing these indirect cares, you're supporting the nurse, you're doing all these things, but CNSs have to be very astute to showing their value in patient outcomes. So, and, and targeting length of stay, um, decreasing readmissions, right? Transitional care roles that we see CNSs going into. So there's so many ways, but the dollar sign is very important. And we focus on quality, but we got to, I also say, you've got to focus on the dollar sign too. So how does quality equate to dollar signs? Because at the end of the day, right, the light bulbs have to be kept on in the hospital. So Exactly. One of the things that I, I learned very, um, during my uh, tenure as CNS is cost avoidance having to quantifying that because you don't think, you know, everyone thinks about the money they spend, but how about the money I saved you? And so I think that's something that, well, that's become a critical, it's become a big thing now, especially since everyone's kind of tightening up their budgets. 
But now, but you know, Alice, another one is nurse retention. I mean, th- that is of, and the shortages of nurses. So if you as a CNS can come in and change those retention rates, change those nurse satisfaction scores, get your nurses at a, at a higher level that they're practicing at right now, you know, take them to the next level. I mean, those are very important to the C-suite right now too, because the cost of labor is, is killing our healthcare systems. Yes, those are definitely some very important things that we need to look at and that we can greatly influence. Um, I know um, in the structure where I worked, it was myself and then it was the unit manager and we were kind of like husband and wife type of thing. And then we reported up to the director. So we were really partners, you know, working hand in hand with trying to change those those work conditions. And oftentimes the manager's like, well, go ahead, Alice. Have, if you can get this, have it. what do you need? What do you need? So I was very fortunate in that sense. But now, Mitzi, we were in a pandemic. It was life-changing. So much has changed. The culture of healthcare has changed. Uh, What is the future like for CNSs? Well, I think the future is very, very bright. And it's, and you know, the fact that we have 41 states now, Maryland just signed their laws into place in the last three months. So we have title protection, which is great. We have prescriptive authority or prescriptive privileges in 41 states, which is really awesome. And we have a growth in enrollment. We're seeing that. We have a growth at the national level just in memberships in our national organization. I think that as long as we stay focused, we stay on showing our value as an APRN, stay focused on um, the patient outcomes, the quality and fiscal related outcomes. I think the future is very bright for CNSs, but we can't quit talking about it. So just being with you here today is so important. And I take advantage and and we do at a leadership level at, at the National Association to make sure we take advantage of every opportunity to talk about the CNS role. Because you're right, our numbers are lower. And I would say that in graduate nursing education, there's been more of a push towards nurse practitioner and filling physician shortages that I think we need to really think about the nursing shortage and what CNSs can do to help the nursing shortage and bring those great minds into the CNS role. We're really needed. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, there are lots of great minds there. I've worked with several nurses um, and you know, they've always, the question again is, should I go to school to become an NP or a CNS? Again, that's like the number one question that I get. So just real quickly before I let you go, what do you believe are the attributes or characteristics that would help a nurse to be successful in the CNS role? Yeah, well, I think one of the most important ones is you're not afraid of change because you are a change agent. I think if you're not happy with the status quo and you want to see nursing, the profession rise to the next level and work with the nurses and be that leader who really makes a difference, I think the CNS role is for you. And and you don't necessarily want to be solely patient focused, but you want to be able to have that autonomy to go across an entire healthcare system 
talk to physician groups, talk to all the stakeholders and, and be a change agent and just really see change happen because of, of your leadership and your coordination skills and your communication skills and what you can do to really make change happen across healthcare systems. And I just want to say, you, you mentioned COVID. Medscape did some interesting surveys about career satisfaction during those COVID years. And it's interesting that the CNS for two years in a row had the highest level of career satisfaction during the COVID years. Now, why is that? Because we were in our element, right? We like change, complex care, and, and they were making things happen. But so CNS is, you know, when, when we were getting thrown at, you know, just thrown to the wolves, it was the worst time for all of us. CNSs were happy in their career making change. I definitely can see that. And I'm smiling because I was so fortunate when I, I kind of, when I say I grew up in my nursing in San Diego, CNS rich city, like CNSs dominated uh, the places. There was always plenty of mentors and things like that. So I was well supported, uh, worked in hospital systems that really, you know, were so happy and supportive of CNS roles. And I loved it because my, someone described as you're a clinical deviant. You get to, Alice, you get to, you kind of get to look for the holes in the Swiss cheese and, you know, anticipate the problems and help protect the, the nurses and the organization from those problems. So I loved it. No two days were ever the same. I always had a different schedule. Yes, there were standing meetings, which I was like, okay, we go to those, I guess. But I got to, based on whatever the, the clinical issue was of the day, oh, I need to go meet with you know, the, the nephro team. Oh, I need to go down to perioperative and see what's happening with, you know, our, our cardiac patients. Why is this happening? And it was just different. And so I would add on to, if you are someone who loves solving problems, who likes variation, who's proactive and a go-getter and likes to initiate things, that's the role for, and loves clinical stuff and getting down to the nitty gritty and, you know, helping others learn, uh, learn these things. I, w- I got a chance to start so many cool projects and then pass the baton to kind of the managers and directors who would like to sustain. They're the sustainers. I was the builder. They were the sustainers. And someone could say, well, that's a bad thing. Well, I loved it because it kept me excited about nursing and passionate about nursing. So if that's someone, if you guys, for those of you who are listening, if this describes you, then probably the CNS role is for you. So Mitzi, before we let you go, can you please let our listeners and our viewers know uh, a little bit more about NACNS, where they could go to become a part of it, and if there's anything coming down the pipeline. Yes. So then it's the National Association of Clinical Nurse Specialists, and you can go to our website. And if you're interested in becoming a CNS, we have a CNS program directory. Um, we are just getting ready to update it. But at least if you if you were interested and there was a state that you live in, you could contact a program director. But we are all about the CNS. And if you are interested in more information on the CNS um, role at all, we have an Ask Mitzi Anything page. So if you open our first webpage, you can ask any question and I will answer it for you or work with you and even troubleshoot with you to see if the CNS role is good for you. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Mitzi, for coming on, sharing your expertise and talking more about the CNS role. Because guys, this is really important that we talk about this. I know we, you know, we go through nursing school, but we're all just so focused on graduating, passing NCLEX and getting our first job. 
And so, you know, but we, we got to think beyond that because it's also important, even if you're someone who decides not to go on for more school or to enter an API role, it's still important for you to understand your profession and, you know, the dynamics of it in the different roles because patients are coming to you with questions. Um, and I think we as nurses do ourselves a disservice when we don't understand, fully understand uh, the scope of uh, scope or practice of some of our colleagues because we're not. We're probably not optimizing um, each other. The or leveraging the work that we, we each can do um, when we don't fully understand the roles can create some confusion. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. So guys, make sure to visit nacns.org. There's tons of information there. You can learn more about the National Association of Clinical Nurse Specialists. Learn more about the role and find out if it's this is a role for you. And even if it's not for you, maybe for someone else, or maybe later down the road. You never know. So. Uh, but just go there, tons of information. And I'm sure there's lots of events, educational opportunities, a great resource to have. And thank you so much to you, Mitzi, uh, for your leadership at NACNS and for all the great work that you're doing and educating our nurses and future CNSs of tomorrow. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too, Nurse Alice. <laughs> and, and guys, thank you so much to nurse.org. Um, who has hosted uh, the website, make sure to visit nurse.org. Tons of great information there, guys. Everything from education to loans, student loans, finance, what's going on in the world today, um, NCLEX tips, you name it, it's there. Make sure to visit nurse.org. It's a one-stop shop for all your nursing information. And you guys, I'm Nurse Alice. I always love chatting with you guys. I have one of the coolest jobs ever, I think, you know, getting to talk with cool people like Mitzi and getting to talk to you guys. Um, and if you have any questions or comments for me, please feel free to email me at nursealice at nurse.org. We'll love to hear your questions, comments, and hey, if you have an idea for your the next show, please let us know. I'd love to hear from you there. And until next time, guys, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.